As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, Deshaun Reed getting you set for Raiders at Chiefs. The Raiders head to Arrowhead Stadium. Has not been a fun place for them to visit in recent years, really not for a long time, not not in the whole Derek Carr era and, and before that um, you know this this Chiefs team has been pretty good for a while and the Raiders have struggled there this does set up as we're kind of in a weird period though right now I mean with everything going on I mean I know people don't like hearing us talk about COVID-19 and all that but it it is kind of a hot topic in the NFL this week um, Maurice Hurst placed on the COVID-19 reserve list we know everything going on with the Tennessee Titans I think they're up to 20 players and, and staff having tested positive Obviously, the the Chiefs, the Patriots, you know, it's, it's a weird time. And I mean, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. Hopefully, by the time uh, this comes out and you guys are listening to it, nothing else has, has gone on uh, in that regard. But it is a, a little bit of a an uncomfortable week from that standpoint. Yeah, it's weird. We're, we're like talking about people hugging each other and looking at the video to see who's touching who. I mean, because, you know, Stephen Gilmore was tested positive today and kind of you know a blimp in the radar but Patrick Mahomes was hugging Gilmore so you know we'll see what happens with that yeah the league's gonna try and push forward as best as they can I think we'll definitely see you know most if not all the games played this week and uh I think it's gonna try and if you have a guy who's out he's out and you replace him and you kind of move on that's the we did with the Falcons a couple weeks ago so but yeah it's definitely a strange time but I think it's um it's got to focus on the football stuff I guess yeah and it's it's kind of tough for the the players it puts them in a position where they have to obviously you have to prepare that the game is going to happen but you don't really know for sure almost until it's right about there you know as we saw with the titans with this thing the cases don't always pop up immediately so a team may think they're good to go and then later in the week some cases pop up and so um, like, like you guys said you know if it's only a couple players or, or one player here and there teams can probably push through it but if you have an outbreak you know, if they have more than you know a few outbreaks here in the coming weeks they may have to postpone things for for a bit yeah, we hope none of that happens, and hopefully everything um, 
stays in, in the right direction. We have seen, you know, really since the training camp got underway, that things have gone pretty well. I mean, all things considered, we all knew the season wasn't going to be smooth, but until this, they'd gone relatively smoothly. So we'll keep hoping for the best and, and assume that everything just plugs forward. The Raiders are in this position where losing two games in a row, all of a sudden that, that 2-0 start has just evaporated. And I think for a lot of people, it, it is hard to almost remember that the team is still two and two. I mean, this season is, has not gone completely sideways like you might think just kind of uh, based on some of the vibes that came out of Sunday's game. Yeah, I think if they had started off, you know, 0-2 and 1-2 and in a row, it would be a much different tone as far as Raider fans go. But, I mean, it's tough. I mean, they're, they're in all these games, I think, at, at some point. So that's why I guess you can get frustrated. We knew this was a tough schedule going in. I think most of us had them only winning a couple of these first five games. So, yeah, I think the main thing is get through this part of the schedule and hopefully you're ready to do some damage uh, the last last 10 games. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden the Browns look good now. So they, they do have a, a tough three-game stretch ahead of them. They have to play the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously, who look like the best team in the league. The Buccaneers, you know, Brady is rolling over there. And the Browns are suddenly 3-1. and one. Their offensive line looks really good. And, um, yeah, it looked like a rollover game, you know, at the beginning of the season. But now the Browns are good, too. So I think if they get out of this 3-4, and four, I think you got to be pretty happy because the schedule does lighten up after that. Yeah, I don't think, at least through the... The first seven games, I'm not sure how many people had them emerging from that above 500 realistically. You know, even the most optimistic people, maybe you could say four and three. And so being two and two, they, they aren't out of the running for that at all. So um, it always stings a little bit worse when you when you lose consecutive games in a row. But I definitely don't think they're in panic mode by any means. I was going to say, it's kind of why I was just kind of, you know, you hear about um, Henry Ruggs back in practice today and so is Trent Brown. If it was me, I might just take the long view and say, you know what, we have a bye coming up, get those guys another week of rest to make sure they're 100% when they come back and then focus on the last, you know, last 11 games with those guys fully healthy. It's weird. We can say that from the outside, though. I think on the inside, that's just, that's not stuff they probably will or would consider because, I mean, just the Chiefs are the team that they know that they are chasing. That's the team that they they need to aspire to be. They want to aspire to beat and going on the road. I'm sure they look at it, and we those are the guys that we need. So if we can get them back, if they're healthy, we, we want to have them. You know, going to the Kansas City Chiefs, suddenly the Chiefs might have the best defense in the NFL to go with their, their offense, too. I mean, they, they allowed only 20 points per opponent in the first three games, and obviously we saw what happened with the, the backup quarterbacks in New England. But, I mean, their defense looks legit, so this is going to be a big, big challenge I don't think anybody's going to be picking the Raiders to upset the Chiefs. Come on, man. You're supposed to tease ahead when we get to our predictions at the end of the pod, and we know you're going to pick them. You're not picking them to win, and we won't tease ahead too far yet. But, I mean, when you look at the Raiders going into Arrowhead, I mean, everybody knows Derek Carr's history there. Um, 0-6 lifetime. He has a career 56.8 completion percentage um, in those six games, 1,000. 151 passing yards, uh, four touchdowns, seven interceptions, been sacked 19 times, a passer rating of 63.2. But one thing I'll point out is that this is the first time that he has played in Kansas City before December. The earliest game he's previously played 
in uh, Kansas City was December 1st last year. It's always been December, late December, January. Um, the closest they've come to winning in his tenure there was uh, the 2015 season. That was uh, Charles Woodson's final game. That was a six-point defeat. The fact that he's going there in October, maybe that makes a difference, and maybe we see a little bit of a different Derek Carr. Yeah, I don't think the weather is like the reason why they've been getting their ass kicked by the Chiefs the last few years. But, I mean, it, it might help them a little bit, but... Carr, he hasn't thrown an interception this season, but fumbles have been an issue. And that was something that Gruden spoke about today. Since he came back for that 2018 season, they've been really bad with turnovers, particularly against the Chiefs. I looked it up. They committed 12 turnovers in four games and only forced three turnovers from the Chiefs side of things. And so, you know, step one, I think, for them is protecting the football. Like They're already outmatched, of course, and they just can't afford to continue to make some of the mistakes that they've made in these two consecutive losses. I think turnovers played a key factor. Uh, both against the Patriots and then you know, also obviously in, in the fourth quarter against the Bills. So in that, that aspect, whether it's, it's Carr or the team as a whole, they definitely need to, to clean it up to have any semblance of a, a shot in this one. Fumbles are killer. I mean, when I was watching the Bills game, Carr actually played a really good game as far as throwing the ball downfield and being aggressive and you know trying to take some chances with some tight coverage. And he's going to have to do that against the Chiefs again. But He's going to have to hold on to the ball, especially as, if Chris Jones is playing. He's going to get into the backfield a few times, you would think. Yeah, looking back, he probably got lucky in that one fumble he had that wasn't called a fumble. I mean, I don't know what he was doing, kind of like a shovel pass to, to nobody. But um, and that could have easily been called a fumble, not, not called dead. So he could have had two fumbles. I think um, the other side of the coin, though, on defense, I mean, who's going to exactly cause turnovers? It's hard to cause turnovers without a pass rush. I mean, if you're not hitting the quarterback when he's, like, you know, vulnerable or, or making him at least hurry up what he's doing, uh, turnovers are hard to get when other teams have all day to do what they're doing. So I'm not sure what the answer is on that side of the ball. I mean, and then from a practical standpoint, you know, with, with obviously with Mohurst going on the, the reserve COVID-19 list, I mean, we've talked about it. He's been one of their most effective defensive linemen. Malik Collins, you know, with the shoulder injury he suffered last week. We'll see what happens with him. But I mean, if they have to play this game without Hurst, which I think we can probably presume at this point, um, that's another blow. Yeah, he'd been one of their most effective pass rushers so far. I mean, it's not saying a lot given, you know, they, they've struggled overall, but you know, Collins, he was out of practice today, Wednesday. And so if he can't go and Hurst is out, you know, and they also uh, moved Daniel Ross to IR um, last week. So defensive tackle suddenly getting pretty thin out of nowhere. Bit of a good news is Nick Kwiatkowski, I thought, played really well against the Bills. And having him there just kind of stabilizes things a little bit. I think they had some miscommunications in the secondary against the Bills that were pretty bad. But as, as far as the run defense, I thought they looked, there were a lot, probably the best performance uh, against a run this season. Devin Singletary averaged two points, two yards of carry for most of the game. Uh, so if they could you know, at least make the Chiefs a little more one-dimensional, maybe it'll slow them down. But, I mean, <laughs> they're a passing team, so <laughs> I guess that's not great news. But, uh, yeah, there's that. Chris Jones was limited with a groin injury today in practice for the Chiefs, so um, that's the only break they need, right? A banged-up Chris Jones. That'll, that'll be enough for him, huh? If Chris Jones doesn't play, I think it gives the the offense a lot more hope of, of moving the ball because with Tyron Matthew, he's two of their best players, and he, he he's an elite, elite defensive tackle. So if he doesn't play, that that's a big break for the offensive line. He's probably going to play, though. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> 
<laughs> a guy limited on Wednesday probably means he's going to play. But what a reason for optimism for the Raiders. I mean, we don't want to be doom and gloom here. It's uh, like we said, two and two is not that bad. What do the Raiders have to look forward to? Obviously, the bye after this week. I mean, we hate to be negative, all negative going into a game against the Chiefs. But I mean, just it's kind of the reality that this team is still so far ahead of where the Raiders are. I guess you might think that Chiefs are in a good spot as far as they may not be totally locked in in this game. They just came off that uh, you know, delayed game against the Patriots in Monday Night Football. They have a Thursday game coming up against a 4-0 Bills team, so maybe they've beaten the Raiders so easily the last few years. They're not really like that locked in on this one. Maybe they'll maybe a little flat. Who knows? But um, obviously the only different way they have a chance is turnovers, which you've talked about. They have to have turnovers this game. After establish a run, which I thought they would last week, they didn't really do that last week. I was kind of surprised. But to me, that's the that's the only key to winning. Really, is they establish a run to keep the Chiefs off the field, then they have even a small chance. The Chiefs have some cornerback injuries. I don't think that the cornerbacks are probably their weakest point, and they haven't really faced a good receiver besides Marquise Brown of the the Ravens. And Brown did get wide open a few times in that game. Lamar Jackson just couldn't connect with them. So if Henry Ruggs does play, I think there's a chance of some big plays if um, if he's able to Wait, get in there. You're saying Aguilar and Zay Jones aren't good? Oh, come They're on, They're good, man. but they don't have they don't have Henry Ruggs speed. So I mean, Aguilar he's played well, but I mean, you know, they they got beat out by two rookies for a reason. I think uh, Ruggs. <laughs> <laughs> They're serviceable they NFL they receivers. Wow, serviceable! Oh, ouch, man! What do you think they are? Oh. That's a harsh word, serviceable. I think they're, I think they're premier, they're premier veteran receivers. Premier, premier, premier veterans. Yes. <laughs> savvy, savvy veterans who filled in well so far. I thought we we're trying to give, we we're trying to give fans hope, reason for hope, right? That's what we're doing. We're not doom and gloom. We're not trying to lie. Right, I give Aguilar a lot of credit. He lying. played well. He played well. There you go. See, serviceable. Come on, man. Hunter Renfro on the slot. I mean, Hunter Renfro's a good good slot receiver. You know, Darren Waller's one of the best tight ends in the league. That's Those are two good weapons. And, you know, those are two solid. I'll, I'll, I'll say solid. Can I say solid? Is that okay? I think solid's better and serviceable. Then you you unveil Rico Gafford back from hamstring injury, like out of the blue tent, like in a, in a big whirling. Wow, who's that? Rico! And there it goes down the field. There's hope. And I don't think it's out of the question that, like, the Raiders, they have the potential to move the ball. Like, I think that's been the case for most of the last two seasons, including this one. It's just a matter of can they take care of it and can they finish drives? And when they do finish drives, you know, kind of what we talked about last week, you know, especially against the Chiefs. Like, if they get into another one of those fourth and one situations in the red zone, they got to go for six. Like, this is – like, the field goals aren't going to cut it. Like, you have to know that like, – I know you got to, like, you have confidence in your defense, but – they're going to give up a lot of points this week. So you have to score as much as you possibly can to try to pull the offset, the upset. But, you know, like like Vic said, I think the real key to victory, like Josh Higgins will have to go off this week. I think that's really the only way they could control the ball enough, still score a lot of points and potentially come out with the win. But I think if, you know, Ruggs can't go in addition to, to Edwards looking like he'll still probably be out, I think it'll be tough for him to get him going in the way that they need to. The running game's got to get going. They just have not blocked that well in the last couple of games against the Patriots and Bills. But, you know, if Trent Brown does play, obviously that's going to be huge. He's one of the best run-blocking offensive tackles in the league. I think another game of Denzel Good kind of getting acclimated to guard again uh, will be big for him. Jacobs just, just hasn't had that much room to run in the, in the last couple of games. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Derek Carr at some point is going to walk into Arrowhead Stadium and and have the game of his life and and win them a game. He hasn't done it in that stadium, but. We've seen him in the past. That's our, that's our highlight for tomorrow's promo. At some point in his life, Derek Carr will beat the Chiefs. Is it Sunday? Tune in and listen to State of the Nation podcast. All right, let's turn this over to uh, the questions. And uh, we, I asked to, to make sure that not every question is about the defensive coordinator because I think that's uh, everybody just wants to know when Paul Gunther is, how, how warm Paul Gunther's bum is, to use uh, Vic's term. They shouldn't quote me that one. That's not a... <laughs> Quotable thing. <laughs> I just forget I ever said that. But go ahead. You know, Tim Cromkami has the uh, the panic meter. You got to have the uh, warm bum meter articles weekly now. The warm <laughs> bum meter. Right. Okay, we'll start with this one from Gennaro C. With all the criticisms of Trent Brown and others, cites JJ Nelson getting cut for being injured during the Gruden era 2.0. Does the recurrent does the current regime have an outdated view on injury management? Could this hurt our ability to develop players long term? Do we think that Gruden gets unnecessarily frustrated with guys that can't stay healthy? <laughs> a JJ Nelson reference. I did not see that. I did not see that coming. Wow, JJ Nelson got unfairly cut. I mean, he yanked himself out of a game that they had game planned him to be have a big role. It's all about you know pain tolerance and you try and do what you can, but. If players and coaches think you can go and you don't go, then that's a problem regardless who the coach is. That was the case with J.J. I think Trent Brown, you give him the benefit of the doubt, and obviously you watch those three plays he played in, and it looked like he was trying and just couldn't plant and he had a hard time. So I think that for me, that should be enough visual evidence to get off his back a little bit. So I know I know Gruden's uh, can be harsh at times and can be you know, frustrated with injuries, but I don't think it's unique to anybody you know, to, to this team. I think it's a, it's a problem league wide, and this year especially, have guys going down every game. So I think it's you know it's hard to ask these guys to push themselves and risk further injury when they're not really healthy. But it's also the name of the NFL, so I think it's a fine line. I think it's hard to walk. I, I don't I think Gruden does it worse than other coaches do. Yeah, and I don't think he's taken you know any like jabs really at Brown. Every time we asked him about it. You know, he, he says, you know, he plays about even what you would expect. So, 
it's not like they've been like publicly shaming him to come back sooner or anything like that. So, no, nah, I don't. I don't think that's really a thing. Yeah, I think knowing Gruden, if he was really frustrated, we would have already have a hint about it by now. He just does. I don't feel like he keeps things in very well. All right, next question up from Mark L. I'll keep it simple, guys. Why does the pass rush stink? Can it realistically fi- be fixed this season? And if so, how? How much of the issue is talent and how much is scheme coaching? Well, if we knew how it could be fixed, I think we would be making a lot more money than we're making here uh, doing a podcast at The Athletic. And we'd be replacing Paul Gunther's warm bum on the staff. We'd be a new <laughs> defensive coordinator. Obviously, a combination. I think, of, I mean, I, I, the X's noses of the pass rush, I can't really get into that deeply, but I think the basic problem to me is like, you know, you have guys who are, are not winning their matchups. Like, you know, Cleveland Farrell's not really winning his one on one matchups very often. The guys in suddenly, we've talked about Malik Collins all year long, guy supposed to be the big pass rushing guy with a push inside, hasn't happened. I mean, Max Crosby's got three sacks, but I wouldn't say he's had a great year. Um, you look at the guys who are around the ball the most, and it's probably Hurst and Carl Nassib doesn't play very much. So I don't know if the answer is there this year. I mean, I don't see – I guess the only hope is maybe you play Carl Moore and he gets some, he gets some penetration. But I don't know if, the, if there's guys in the roster where you can say, you know what, those guys are going to be a lot better in three weeks than they are now. So I think it's, it's a little uh, discouraging in that way, but that's probably the way it is. Last week, they actually used Nassib as a linebacker to kind of blitz and move him around a little bit, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, you just don't have natural pass rushers that you could just rush for with. You just have, I think Gunther's starting to do it where he's starting to pressure, pressure more, but the back end has to be really lights out with the communication, especially when they're blitzing too. So I think the only way to really pressure the quarterback with this group is to start sending more pressures and the back end has to, they have to be better. Yeah, I wonder how you told that line of, let's say you stick with, you know, only rushing four because you don't, you know, have enough confidence in the secondary, but they'll get picked apart anyway because the quarterback will have all day to throw. Or on the other side, if you get over, overly aggressive with the blitz, you're putting the secondary in a tricky spot. So it's kind of like you're, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So I think really the improvement, I know a lot of the focus is going on the coaching, whether it's, it's Marinelli or, or Gunther, but it's just going to come down to, like like Vic said, guys winning their one-on-ones more often. I mean, it's hard because to be a good pass rush team, a lot of times like you need to have an elite guy there and can Crosby eventually develop into that? Maybe. I mean, he had a good rookie year. It's about more than just kind of racking up sacks. It's, it's doing a lot more. And to get one of those really elite guys, you usually have to trade for him, pay him a crap ton of money or, you know, get a really high pick and get, you know, and we saw, I mean, they had the number four overall pick last year and, you know, they weren't in a position to go get a Nick Bosa. You know, they got Cleveland Furl, and we kind of know how that turned out. Not a great pick, but I don't know that even at number four, that after Bosa was gone, was there really a, another elite pass rusher? And Brian Burns. Yeah. It's tough to find those guys. I mean, they obviously had one once upon a time, but... Uh, yeah, but say so they traded a guy away that was pretty good at doing it. I was going to say, besides Crosby, the one guy who has that twitch is Arden Key. They thought a good camp, apparently. Everyone thought he was ready to break through this year, finally, but he really hasn't yet. So I think if he'd be the one guy, I guess you could say, you know, if he can somehow find the answers and get some pressure you know, and get some sacks, then maybe they have a chance to get better. Because he has that ability, he has that switch you're looking for in, in pass rushers. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, question here now from Costa K. With this being a relatively young team, do the last two weeks feel like they've had an impact on morale? Once a bit healthier, this team can contend for one of the wild card slots, and an offense like we saw the first two weeks can win any game. Is this team mature enough to carry that out? And I think that's a hard one to answer in a season like this where you guys aren't in the locker room to, to really judge that morale, right? Yeah, I'd say so. I think the only way I, I could come close would be, I, I think everyone says that Johnson's been very, very positive this year, kind of encouraging guys like to you know, look at the longer goal and, and don't worry about these results you're getting these last two weeks. So I guess if he is doing that and he's pumping guys up, then the rookies should be fine as far as their morale goes. I'm not sure it's an issue uh, in week five of an NFL season. All right, question here from Garth G. Was the move to put Gunther in the booth last weekend his call or Gruden's? Will we have a sense of that? I mean, I know Thursday is when you'll talk to Gunther and probably have uh, kind of a better idea of that, so haven't talked to Gunther this week. But what do you guys gather there uh, on, on that decision? I would assume it's Gunther's decision because Gruden obviously wants his defensive coordinator to be comfortable, and if he feels like he gets more information in the booth, then... That's why he's up there, but I don't think Gruden would force him to go on a field or in the booth. I honestly have no idea. I honestly don't know if Gruden like just got tired of looking at the guy. Like, I can't look at you anymore. <laughs> go upstairs. I'm tired of this. Or if, like you said, Paul won a different vantage point. So I don't know the answer to that question. They don't still ride the facility together anymore, right? I mean, he's no. John's got his own car. He has his sports car. He got that. That was it. A Mustang. He got some really, you know, some sweet car in the preseason for some dealership, and he he now drives. It's only a five minute drive to work now, so he drives himself. John Gruden drives to work now. Congrats, a big, it's a big deal. It's a sweet sports car. I forgot what it was, but uh, it's a pretty impressive uh, ride. The Shelby Mustang, I think it was, maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, before we make predictions, you know, Vic, I know you uh, wrote wrote a story on Wednesday about kind of a cool deal that the Raiders have uh, have happening. Um, they are teaming up with UNLV and they're going to build a campus. It's going to be the Al Davis Eddie Robinson Leadership Academy, where it's going to be an actual campus and and programs, and not just going to be a, a weekend in and out deal where they really want to help train minority coaches, GMs, team presidents, executives, all that kind of stuff. So just kind of tell us a little bit about that what mark davis is doing there with unlv to, to get that going yeah it's a pretty cool idea like like mark said that if you put those two names on you put al davis and eddie robinson names on it it's got to be good you got to make sure you do a good job and it's it's true to its, its goal i think they want to have a place where not only future coaches and, and general managers but even future team presidents can come and learn the ropes and kind of get some experience talking to current coaches and current gms it'd be like a four to six week program probably in the off season and uh, they can come and they can pretty much live you know, on campus and their families can go and, and, and play in the pool while they go to work every day for, for four weeks. So I think it's a very cool idea. I think UNLV is involved to help with the curriculum. They can obviously have some business school um, professors that will be a part of it and just kind of teaching the ins and outs of contract, contract negotiations and all those kind of things. And I just think it, uh, it's a great idea. I think it definitely could have a, a lot of impact uh, nationally. All right, guys. Uh, prediction time. Who is uh, who's ready to go out on a limb? What 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 is the latest spread? Thirteen and a half or something like that. Um, Twelve and a half. I don't know. The 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 odds makers in Vegas do not like Vegas's chance of going into Kansas City and getting a win. Uh, does anybody here like their chances? 
<laughs> I just think Mahomes, been on, they've been on TV the last, what, three weeks, so we all get to watch them every week. And the Chiefs are pretty freaking good. I mean, they're actually probably better than they were last year, which is pretty scary. So I don't know how you pick a team with a bad defense to beat the Chiefs' offense or even or at least contain it a little bit. But uh, sometimes I can't – there's no limb – for me to go out on it. I mean, I'm going to just say take your licks and, and move on. I guess from like the most optimistic view, like they were, it was what, 6-3 at halftime against the Patriots without, without Cam Newton. They um, went deep into I the mean, third quarter without scoring a touchdown, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, the Raiders were in a one-score game with the Patriots with Cam Newton. So, I mean, transitive property here. I'm saying there may be do a it, chance. Do it. But Dude, I'm absolutely oh, no, not man. not gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna lose. Like probably, I I think it's probably gonna be more than that. Their thirteen point spread or whatever it's projected to be. I'm taking a cover. They're gonna cover. That's a bold pick. It's a bold pick. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have them cover. We'll say it's thirteen and a half. I'll say forty one twenty eight. So by a half a point they cover. They better kick that last extra point. I got him losing uh, 40 to 23. I mean, uh, for some reason, Arden Key has his big breakout game. I could be wrong, but if Arden Key is not he has having a breakout game, and they still score 41. No, I think if no, I think if he, if he does not, if he does, I'm gonna be wrong. So I'm saying I'm gonna be right unless Arden Key has like two or more sacks. If Arden Key has two or more sacks, they'll cover the spread. But I'm saying that will. I'm making a, it's a big wager. I'm saying that won't be the case. Arden Key will not have more than two sacks and therefore therefore they'll get blown out uh, 40 to 23. Arden Key is the difference, you guys. That's what I'm what saying. <laughs> Arden Key is the key. Yeah, I mean, obviously oh, we all said Josh Jacobs is the guy. That's odd, but they still have to have someone on defense that cause a turnover and get a sack or do something. So I'm going to say, I mean, the only tiny chance they have is if Arden Key has two sacks. I'm gonna go 38-21. Like I'm not 100% certain on Rugs playing. If he plays, I might give him 24. But I just think, uh, regardless, I don't think Jake is gonna be able to get loose. Like I said, in a way that he would need to for them to have a realistic chance of winning this game. And I just think the defense is is too bad right now, especially with with Damon Arnett out and Malik Collins being compromised and Mo Hurst being out. I just I just don't see how they slow down the Chiefs at all on defense. I'm going to say 45-31. I think the offense is going to surprise and Carr's going to come out with laser focus and I think hopefully Ruggs plays and uh, he gets a few big plays. Might need lasers in his eyes to... (laughs) He said it on Wednesday, like, this is not a rivalry right now. They have to win to make it a rivalry. I like that answer. Yeah. Like like Jimmy said, one day in his life he will. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Someday in his life he will, but not not Sunday. He's running out of opportunities, but he's a good quarterback. He's got to someday have a have a really good day there. I don't. Know. Well, we'll see if it happens in a Raider uniform. Uh, wow, wow. I mean, I'm just saying, maybe it's in five, ten years from now. I don't know. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up this week's episode of State of the Nation. We will be back, of course, on Sunday night after the Raiders take on the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. Deshaun will be there. The fans in the stands, right? How, how many fans are they allowed to have there? I think like 20,000. That sounds Somewhere. right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it'll be a, a little atmosphere, a little atmosphere in the parking lot, some, uh, some good smells, some barbecue. So, all right. We will talk to you guys again on Sunday. Adios. Talk to you later. See you guys. 
I think there's a little bit of a warm sensation on his bum right now, probably, I think. 